It's November the 9th, 2021. This is 508, a show about Worcester. Who are you? Brendan Malikin. How are you, Mike? I'm Michael Benedetti. Brendan, the last time we did a show, COVID was over. Yeah. And now it's over again. <laughs> How was your pandemic? My, pan- my The second pandemic was less fun than the first pandemic. Yeah. yeah. Kind of boringer. Um, kind of over this. Uh, today we're recording on a different camera than in the past, and we'll see how it goes. Fingers crossed. Every every week we change the technology on this show, and this is why this sh- the technology on this show has never been good. <laughs> uh, here's Worcester in slightly more than 60 seconds. In last week's city council election, incumbent councilor at large Matt Wally was ousted, and two Nguyen joined the council. In contested district races, Sean Rose and Candy Miro Carlson hung on to their seats, and newcomer Atel Hajiai joined the council. On the school committee side, Deanna Biancaria was ousted, and Jermaine Johnson and Gemma Kamora joined the council. Uh, Polar Park was at 65% capacity this weekend. The Amazon distribution facility on Goddard Memorial Drive is operational, and the project to build one at the old Greendale Mall site is still underway. When that's complete, we'll have 300,000 square feet of Amazon facilities in Worcester. According to the city, we did it. We did it. During, according to the city, during 2021, seven commercial movies or shows were filmed in the city. Dexter, The Tender Bar, What Lies Beneath, Best Buddies, Confess, Fletch, Spirited, and Black Panther 2. Worcester County has a COVID rate of 20 confirmed cases per 100,000 people, which is 15% down on the week. And it's about where we were the last time we did a show back in uh, April. How did that work out for us, Mike? It worked out It worked out fine because 70% of the people in Massachusetts are fully vaccinated, which is more than double the last time we did a show. Congratulations, Massachusetts. Congratulations, Massachusetts. How are you doing? I'm still here, man. I'm excited to be back doing a show. Do you, do you, have, you probably have some commentary on the election. Um, I'm really happy about it. I mean, that's, this is the first time, I think, in my adult life, uh, I'm genuinely happy with the way an election turned out. Not just like, oh, like the person that I was working with or supporting one, like genuinely good for the city. And it's a, uh, I've been thinking about this a lot. It's a, I feel like what we just did was show people that if you give folks a good option, uh, they'll actually take it. Like the thing that we've been talking about for as long as we've been doing this show, right, is, is like kind of making fun of Jordan Levy's predictable you know, more people voted for me alone, like the last time I ran for mayor, then turn. But it's like, yeah, but like, what are you giving people to actually come out and get excited about? Mm-hmm. There was a lot to be excited about in this election. And it's um, from some of the newcomers. I, I know Attell has run before, but newcomer in terms of being on. Uh, du and um, who's not name him? Uh, Guillermo in particular. I feel like those three on the on the city side gave people, especially the young people that were always saying, like, how do you get the, the youth to come out and vote? I don't know, like stop trying to convince them to be interested in old people stuff might mm-hmm. be a start. Like they were speaking to a slightly different demographic that I think the old cranky folks like myself uh, turned around and said, you know what? Like maybe there's an opportunity to prove to ourselves that we don't have to be old and cranky all the time. This was a Wednesday morning, Tuesday night into Wednesday morning. Again, first time in my adult life that I didn't wake up feeling even a little bit cynical about what had just happened in the city. I feel like the progressive block on the council now has, um, I feel like they have their opportunity to prove that their way is a good way. Right? Yeah. Like no, not, not too many people are going to stand in the way of them doing what they want to do. 
within the limits of what the city council can do, which is very small, but nonetheless, if you say, hey, you should vote for progressives on the city council, it should be for a reason. Right. So I, I haven't really talked to any of the um, new councilors much at all since the election. I would be curious to ask them, like, what do you want to see happen in the next two years? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like, what idea, what, what's the city going to do in the next two years that's going to show that uh, your vision for the city is a is a workable and good one. And I guess ultimately what you just said was a much more condensed and appropriate way of getting to the point that I was trying to make. So thank you for that, right? Because it's no w- <laughs> what it actually comes down to is we have told ourselves this story for years that like it's not even worth bothering to try that because it's never going to work here. It'll never float here. Well, we just got over the big hump, which is actually getting people in office that are at least willing to try. And yeah, to, to your latter point, that's all that matters now. If it doesn't work and like the entire city two years from now is just a complete ab- abject nightmare, well, then maybe we can re- double down on the cynicism and say, well, we tried that. It didn't work out at all. Mm-hmm. Um, because some good people, there were some great ideas uh, and yeah, feeling good about it. You know, as usual, I find it interesting to see like how the election is marketed to me, the voter. This was a year where we didn't interview a lot of candidates. We didn't do our like interviewing a bunch of candidates mm-hmm. thing. So I didn't really talk to the campaigns. I think that two's campaign reached out to me both to go to a fundraiser and both to give them some money, neither of which I did. Um, I felt bad because I actually had, I was, yeah, we probably had the same person reach out and it was uh, for the same event and I, I was planning on going and it totally slipped my mind. Well, no, but no other campaigns reached out to me for anything mm-hmm. for Jack. They all sent me a bunch of mail. Uh, by the end of the election, the mailers were so terrible. The more mail I was getting, the less I was inclined to vote for people. But uh, honestly, like other than getting some mail and maybe like talking to people at parties, I was not hearing, I was not really seeing the election marketed to me through the channels of media that I consume media in. I feel very similar. and But part of me, though, again, in hindsight, just trying to look at it from a positive perspective, that would probably be like you or I saying, like, you know, there's no good underground punk shows going on in Worcester anymore. Like, and is that reflective of the fact that like all the basements have been boarded up and there aren't cool shows happening? Or is it more reflective of us just being old and maybe not being fully as plugged into uh, that universe as may have once been the case? I I mean, I can tell you why it is. It's a combination of you and I being 20 years older than we were when we were, when that was more of a thing in our lives. Combined with the fact that it's Worcester no longer has an enviable ratio of average income to cost of living. And so the number of people who are kind of working part time at the bike shop and like working on their mm-hmm. punk band is a lot less than it was 20 years ago, mm-hmm. um, which is, you know, indicative of a general improvement in economics. But it's a combination of those two things. I don't know that that second thing uh, impacts can- candidates. Not Probably not. I don't think the bike shop had a big impact on um, on anyone's candidacy this year. But I'm OK uh, recognizing that. um I'm on the back nine of life and that uh, there might be stuff happening in the city that I I don't feel left out by people not reaching out in this election cycle, right? Like I'm actually okay with that because it turned out well uh, without my direct involvement. That's a great thing, right? Like maybe that's a lesson uh, for future campaigns is like, if you want to do well, don't let Mike or Brendan have any idea what you're doing. Keep them out of the loop and everything will be fine. I want to ask you, Brendan Mellican, former Democratic political operative. I was thinking about why it is that, you know, famously old people vote and young people don't. And part of it is, you know, that old people have whatever time, inclination, crankiness, whatever it is, all things that I myself am accumulating as I get older. Um, How much of it is because, you know, when you're 17, you're not in the habit of voting and you're not registered to vote. Mm-hmm. And then when you turn 18, some percentage of people are registered to vote and some people develop that habit. And then with every increasing year, 
a s- slightly more people are getting registered, slightly more people are developing that habit, and that it's just a factor. How much of it is that versus, you know, if, if we had everybody, if we started over from scratch tomorrow, would we see all the 80-year-olds voting more than the 18-year-olds? I So I, I think it's similar to what, uh, again, has little to do with the bike shop and more to do with what you were saying uh, earlier about the punk shows, right? It's um, how many, when we were kids, how many young people were tuning in every day to Phil Dunneyew if they weren't home from school and that's what their mom had on, I right? That. I love that show. I watched it a lot too, but I was home from a lot and my mom was watching it. It wasn't like because I was eager to see Phil Dunneyew. It's just that's what was on TV. I kind of resented whenever Oprah became a big thing because I always felt like, I feel like she really stole a lot of his thunder. I mean, I, she was better at the job, but nonetheless, I had a huge soft spot for him. I really do think it comes down to simply that older folks myself included, I won't speak for you, uh, aren't always great about keeping an eye on what younger people want to hear, right? Because like the problem- George Will, he'd have George Will on him all the time. This is this was like what was in competition with Oprah, my friends, was a, a, a prematurely white-haired man talking to George Will once every three months. And I mean, because you can't, because of social media in particular, for all of its faults, one of the things that you can easily track is engagement and demographic based engagement, right? Like, uh, Chloe Kardashian mm-hmm. is doing just fine in terms of like the general vote, right? When it, the, sure. she's brought out the youth vote every single day, like the engagement is through the roof. Um, and, and, and while it's easy to say, well, Chloe Kardashian might not be a great political candidate. She's a little bit too deep on the vapid realm of things and isn't focused on the things that matter. Well, she's actually nailed getting young people engaged. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, just speaking to what we just saw in this local election, I think there were enough new people or newer people uh, who were speaking to concerns uh, that younger folks wanted. And I, I do think that when I know a couple of people that we know of are asking and some of the campaigns are starting to drill down now and looking at actual numbers who did come out to vote. There's a couple things that are worth looking at is um, one, our census, right? We're, we're up 25,000 people over the last 10 years. Yeah. It's a not insignificant number of people. We have seen what seems to be a big uh, interest in folks moving into the area over the last two to three years in particular. So a combination of new blood. Sadly, uh, what we know about the last two years from COVID is chances are good if we lost population uh, due to COVID. It's going to be on the older end of things. Um, So there's probably something to be said in, in fuzzy math that we actually did see a little bit of new blood but ultimately, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's as simple as we want young people to come out and uh, actually get engaged, give them something to be engaged about that that resonates with them. I, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll mention, as much as it pains me to do this, I'm going to mention one more phenomenon that appeared during this election, which is uh, the rise of Bill Shaner <laughs> in his <laughs> sub stack. Um, and B- Bill, somebody who I think we both know very well from, yeah. from you know, we always used to do our sh- this show right after him and um, uh, Josh. Josh Lyford. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we do the we do the Worcester Magazine show at the old radio station in the in the basement. This this show is now in a closet. It used to be in a basement, which it was a bigger basement, but it was a basement. Um, uh, which I love because we were the old guys coming in after we were Bill and Josh doing we were, their thing. Yeah, we were, oh, and they would always talk trash about Joe Rogan, and Brendan would just be steaming. I was fuming. Yeah, but you know whatever. <laughs> um, uh, but you know, I mean, I. Not only from people at parties did I hear people talking about Bill's emails, but just from strangers at the coffee shop, I would overhear talking about Bill's emails. Um, And uh, I think that that's really interesting. I mean, Turtle Boy Sports has been, you know, a big force on the right for the last few election cycles. And it's interesting to see somebody 
I think a lot of people have, have worked on the progressive side of things. And mm -hmm. it's interesting to see somebody kind of break out in that space. Totally. I mean, I was fortunate enough that, um, the, uh, Sean Connolly and, um, and I, I was on Brian, Sean and, uh, Bill's, uh, roundup, um, election night, mm -hmm. which was hilarious. Which was but, mostly Bill drunkenly rambling. Yeah, well, As I, I scrubbed through it, that's all I saw. <laughs> well, I, he at least had a 30 pack with him. I don't know how deep into it he was, but, um, he was so amped up and excited. And I think that like, yeah. that was partly what made me feel so good about the night. Um, you know, it's, uh, Bill's probably a, a classic example now of where journalism in Worcester decided like, well, we don't, we don't need that anymore. Right. Mm -hmm. Like we're, we're moving, we, we've got our own ideas. Their own ideas apparently are involved, like not even mentioning there's an election on election day. Uh, so I hope that works out for them long term. but seeing Bill, uh, as amped up as he was and as passionate about, uh, this election was great. And it also was great to be there watching those results come in with him again, knowing how passionate he was about some of the, the races, uh, this year, um, I think he was surprised by some of the turnout as well, too. And that was kind of kind of cool to see. Surprises are nice. I should mention, uh, in terms of Substack, I, I have had a Substack now for, whatever, six months of the uh, weekly city council agenda preview. Mm. And I've been very gratified at the number of people who've subscribed and the number of people who are giving me money to do that. No kidding. And I would say certainly people could subscribe for free. Certainly people could kick in a few bucks if they liked. But uh, Substack has been a great, it's been a great innovation in that space. It feels like a way, it feels nicer to me than doing a WordPress version of it. Yeah. As much as I love WordPress. It is a good, um, does seem to be a good transactional sort of model for uh, any form of journalism, right? Yeah. That it's, uh, I don't know, that it replaces directly uh, traditional journalism at the same time. Ads, ads are terrible. Yeah. Ad-based journalism is just just feels like the wrong way to do That's it. That's something I've been thinking about a lot since we've been taking time off from doing the show is you go back to the, when we started doing this. I feel like we were giving, or at least I was, I'll, I don't want to blame you for my terrible ideas, but we'd give a, a lot of flack to the city for being slow to adopt uh, things like social media and whatnot as part of the messaging platform for the city. Uh, not using Twitter back when that started, yeah. not moving to uh, Facebook when that started to take over from MySpace and was a little bit more information-based than just your band. We should point out that Kate Toomey has been a pioneer in trying to get the city yeah. to do all of this. Well, so like Kate Toomey, I just want to acknowledge that like we were wrong and it ruined everything because that ad-based model and that algorithm-based model is just disgusting and gross and may end up being the downfall of humanity. I'd like to put Kate a little bit ahead of me in terms of being responsible for the downfall of humanity, yes. but I'll definitely take a little bit of ownership of it's that. Like, it's like 60-40. <sighs> It is what it is, Mike. You know, you know, Brendan, I was just thinking, Brent crude oil is $84 a barrel, down 2% on the week, up 110% on the year, and up 35% from the last time we did a show back in April. Brent crude oil never changes. That's incredible. Where's uh, Shiba Inu going uh, from the last time we did a show? What? Shiba. She, she, oh, oh, the, the cryptocurrency thing. I think it's up like five thousand percent. Which, speaking of which, Bitcoin is sixty-seven thousand dollars, seven hundred sixty-seven thousand seven hundred seven dollars, up eleven percent on the week, up twenty percent since the last show, and up three hundred forty-nine percent on the year. Goodness. Today's Worcester Air Quality Index. Speaking of something we don't want to see rise, is fifty-two due to small particles, which is just outside the good range. It's actually, 52 is not a great, it's not great. It's great for us. It's, it's temporary though. That's all yeah. due to uh, the construction of the new Doherty Memorial High School. Once they're okay. finished with that school, all that dust and soot will go away. Yeah. I mean, like, it's like uh, Bay Area forest fires is like 200, 220. So mm -hmm. 52 is great compared to that, but Bay Area 
forest fires is also like, you know, Mad Max yeah. situation. Um, the producer price index for construction sand, gravel, and crushed stone is 384, up 1% on the month and up 5% on the year. Can I um, suggest a new metric that we look at? Oh, right, the show? Uh, electric blue uh, McLarens. I would like the, the, the number of electric blue McLarens uh, seen in Worcester. And if anyone out there listening to this has any idea who the dude driving around the 2021, I think it's a 570 uh, electric blue McLaren is, I would just like to know that he's a, a Worcester resident. So right now the number is one? I think the number for electric blue uh, McLarens is one. But okay. that, both electric blue McLaren guy and silver target Lambo guy mm-hmm. uh, do seem to be in the city. And I'm just dying to figure out who both of them are. It's a uh, target Lambo guy in particular. He parks at Target? I see him on the weekends at Target doing his grocery shopping. And like, it's, it's like on a regular occurrence where you see this dude, you know, a young guy, really young guy driving a Lambo, uh, and he's putting his groceries where a normal person's engine is, uh, on Sunday. And I just think it's the most charming thing in the world. It's the same thing with McLaren guy. Whenever I've seen him in traffic, he just, he seems like the nicest guy in the world. And he's so happy to be driving a $250,000 car. And, uh, I can't blame him. It's probably a lot of fun, but. You know, Brendan, I want to do a new segment, um, which is Worcester Movie of the Week. Okay. Because there are so many films being filmed in Worcester recently. I feel like we can actually talk about a different movie every week for a while sure. without running out of movies. In fact, we might be able to do it indefinitely. We'll see. Um, this week's Worcester Movie of the Week is the most Worcester movie of all time, just out Denis Villeneuve's Dune. Yeah. It's a movie about not just a worm town, but a worm planet, a place where on the surface not much is happening, just some dingy, unhappy people standing around. Mm-hmm. But underground, Brendan. Yeah, it's a different story. It was. A, did you enjoy it? I thought it was great. I did too. And I was, you know, I, I don't know if it was part of the plan, but um, I was a little anxious when it ended. I I hadn't looked into what their plans were for future chapters of the story, mm-hmm. uh, realizing that like while I was watching it, like they hadn't actually greenlit like the next movie. That was a little bit terrifying. Like I, that actually created a great deal of anxiety in me because it just. The movie, the story, the way they presented the story was fantastic, especially the blue color eyes. I feel like they nailed that. That was awesome for me. Um, but yeah, it was like a week later or two or three days after I saw it, they finally greenlit the uh, the second movie, which yeah. is good I news. I don't mind it so much whenever it's, uh, you know, like whenever you're adapting a book where the book already exists, mm-hmm. plus like two other professional adaptations of it already exist. Sure. So you could kind of watch the first half of this and then switch to the David Lynch version or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to read my, I want to read my essay about the Shai Halud. Uh, the Shai Halud are the giant sandworms from the sci-fi classic Dune. They are the size of skyscrapers with huge jaws, navigating the sand oceans of the planet Arrakis like blue whales, diving deep, traveling far, and subsisting on a combination of sand plankton, trace gases, and static electricity. Worms are pretty disrespected by most human cultures, but the native people of Arrakis venerate theirs, calling them Shai Halud, grandfather of the desert, in Arabic, immortal thing. Some people think calling our city Wormtown is an insult. Brendan, I don't want to say who it is who thinks that. Jordan Levy. Me, I think of the wonders bursting forth from the hidden depths of Wormtown like the mighty Shai Halud. A giant sandworm is born from the exploded, decayed, weathered remains of subterranean lichen and sand trout. A phoenix reborn from a pile of garbage. We, uh... I feel like we've done a much better job of, of drafting a narrative for this city than the city has. We should keep that up. Good work, Mike. I, I like it. I like it. So I feel like, uh, yeah, man, people should watch the Dune movie and think about Worcester if they haven't watched it already. Watch it in Worcester and think about, reflect upon the city. 
Yeah. Um, uh, what else is going on? I mean, obviously, a million things have gone on in those six months or whatever since we last did a show. How many vaccines you get? Uh, I've gotten three. You also <laughs> get a triple dose, right? Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm open to more, though. So if anyone has any good recommendations on future doses, just keep them coming. The kids are all getting shots this week. Good for them. It's exciting. Um, how did Jermaine Johnson get the most votes for school committee? We didn't even talk about school committee. See, this is where like I don't even want to guess because I just I'm just happy that he did. And I think it's fantastic that he did. And you know how much contact I had with Jermaine Johnson? Zero. Zero. Same as me. I'm okay with that, though. It's, yeah. Uh, you know, as much as I complain about these guys not marketing to me, they're making the right move. Somehow yeah. he already intuits that I'm probably going to vote for him. So he's like, I'm not going to waste time on that dude. If you want to be on the school committee or city council, ignore uh, Mike and Brendan. That's the new rule. Yeah. 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 Um, I mentioned the, the city council a lot. The school committee, the same thing. I mean, it was shaken up quite well. We, one thing that we learned is that being a raging homophobe is not good uh, marketing uh, to be on the Worcester School Committee. I'm okay with that. Yeah. I think that's a win for the city of Worcester. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. I mean, I'm, I, you know, I'm less excited to see what comes out of the school committee, though, just because I feel like the school committee is a healthy political body in the way that city council is not, and that the school committee directs the executive. Mm. The school committee has disputes over issues and debates them, and people win and lose. And who's on the school committee seems to have a real impact on stuff. Right. Right. Like, what are the big things that, as far as schools go? I don't know. In the last few years, it's like sex ed and COVID stuff and whatever. These are things where the school committee is totally hands on. What are the big things on the city side in the last few years is like the ball field. The yep. city council have anything to do with the ball field? No. Nope. Nope. Somebody was like, hey, guess what? You're going to get a ball field. And they were like, all right. Not going to stand in the way, I guess. Yeah. And that was pretty much what the city council, and that, you know, so it's a totally different role. So that that's where I'm interested to see if you have a different city council politically, what does that mean practically? Yeah, no, I mean, in the easiest way to look at that, I, I think for just the, the lay person is not once that I'm aware of in the history of the Worcester city council has anything come up that has inspired somebody to uh, co-opt the Pornhub logo mm-hmm. uh, and make that a, a part of city discourse. And like that's Probably something the weirdest thing of this election cycle. Um, I don't know. That probably could be debated, but that was definitely the most awesome Weirder, thing. That was the most awesome thing. It's yeah. and it made me comfortable. I've always wanted to own por- Pornhub has a really nice online store. Uh, okay. They have a lot of merchandise. Okay. I've always been hesitant to buy like a Pornhub hat or, you know, because they have a really nice beanie style winter hat. Okay. Every winter I look at it. This is going to be my winter hat. But I'm hesitant to do it because you don't want to. right to be hesitant. You don't, you don't want to offend somebody in, in line to get coffee. But that changed this year. Thanks to the Worcester School Committee race, I can now wear my Pornhub hat in, with pride. And People will think you're either really into porn or you're really conservative, depending yeah, either, on how closely they read the hat. And depending on who they are, like, that's a win either way. That's wild. It is wild. Um, you want, me, want a hat? I don't. I'm okay, I'm okay to not have a hat. Um, how do you think... Uh, they have pasties, too. How do you think, so how do you think the Polar Park thing shook out? So it was 65% capacity over the season. The beginning of the season, it was restricted to 25% capacity. So 65 is not as low as it could be. Right. Um, um, My thought on this is, uh, and it's important that I say this, I I don't like baseball. I've said this on the show before. That's not breaking news, right? And it's not... I have nothing against people who do like baseball. It just doesn't make sense to me. I've always viewed baseball as a sport designed for AM radio. 
in a world that moves a million miles an hour. It just, I just don't get it. Um, but interestingly enough, and not knowing that you were going to, you were going to talk baseball at all. Last night I watched the movie Moneyball. Mm-hmm. Have you seen Moneyball? I have. Right. So I, 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 I fell into, I started pretty much by accident and I was just glued to the TV, right? Cause it's not a, it's not a movie about baseball. It's a movie about math and statistics and whatever. And I feel like that's, that could be, if we were, if we did it the right way, the story of that park. I only went to one game this year, and I only went to the game because a buddy of mine was in town from Denmark, uh, lived in Worcester for a while. He was just fascinated by the amount of development in Kelly Square, wanted to go and see it for, and for eight bucks. Like, sure, let's go see the park. Um, it was fantastic. Like, again, I didn't watch a second of baseball, but being inside that stadium was incredible because it's, it's designed so well that the people that want to just be in a social environment, like especially now COVID indoor, like outdoors, it's probably the ideal place to do that. You pay $8 and you've got every type of like bar seating imaginable, high tops, big tables, like low tops. If you want to go watch AM radio sports, you can sit in the stands and get into that sort of thing too. And it's all like a big loop. So you can kind of just bounce around from different food vendors and, I don't want to give the Worcester Red Sox too much credit, but I mean, they, I think they deserve it in terms of what they designed for the city. Like I could see that place being full out, out of the season just because it, if, if it was marketed right, it could actually be a halfway decent venue just to hang out in and have like small local bands playing in different corners of the place and it almost just be like a marketplace feel to it. Uh, I can totally see why it was... The attraction that it was this year, again, I think fairly you mentioned that they couldn't be at full capacity. So that's a sort of an artificial number to work with. I would have no hesitation at all going to that park if somebody offered like, hey, we're going to a game. Want to come? Absolutely. Have no interest in baseball, but I'll be there in a heartbeat because it's actually a pretty cool place to hang out. Hmm. To me, that's a win. I mean, I I, I get and I'm, uh, I sympathize with, uh, well, one, it's a really expensive cool venue to hang out and so i get that but it happened uh it's there and yeah i have no interest in blowing the place up at this point because i'd probably be inside when the explosives went off because it's kind of a cool place to hang out have you been to a game yet i haven't i I claimed i was going to be at the season opener yeah i wasn't there i mean i'm telling you man it's actually yeah it's a good time yeah i mean the good doctor still some questionable behavior on his do you see his halloween costume so they put on their Twitter feed, uh, the good doctor. And now I think that he was shooting for one of the Beatles. Mm-hmm. He is clearly Tony Clifton. It's like it objectively the only thing like a, a toddler. This would be George Harrison or Ringo. Which one looks more like Tony Clifton? I, that's one, none of them. I don't think he did. It said there was a reference to the Beatles in the in, in the in the post. But no, it was just Tony Clifton. I think even a toddler. Who, who had no exposure at all to, to Tony Clifton. What's oh, Tony good. Clifton? Did you, did, you, did you have a Halloween costume this year? Uh, no, I, I own three banana costumes, but I tend to only wear those in the off-season. I'm not a big Halloween folk. I did Sherlock Holmes this year. I'm mm. sticking with this going forward. I figured, I, you know, I, I appreciate it whenever people have costumes that are hard to decode. One of the favorite costumes I saw this year, a lady was dressed as an Italian pop star from the 70s. Forget the name of this pop star. Fantastic outfit. Love those kind of costumes. For myself... I don't like answering a bunch of questions about my costume. Sherlock Holmes, globally recognizable figure, very straightforward. You know, I have the hat, I have a fake pipe, I wear like a, a suit and the right kind of tie, and it's a perfect Sherlock Holmes. Everybody recognizes Did you do that. a lot of adult stuff for Halloween? 
Less than I thought I was going to. Okay. So I haven't really engaged. I think it's part of being a parent, right? Like, Mm -hmm. it's like for me, Halloween for the last decade and a half has been like back to being like youth related and whatnot. I was kind of surprised this year to see on Instagram um, and Twitter the number of like Brooklyn in particular. Mm -hmm. It seems like there aren't any kids in Brooklyn who get dressed up for Halloween. They're all just adults who are out on the street trick-or-treating and doing their thing and whatnot, which struck me as weird at first, but also kind of nice. Like if there's a day of the year that, that, you know, Sherlock Holmes and, you know, uh, an obscure Italian pop singer from the 70s or 80s? Uh, The 70s. From the 70s. Can walk around together and enjoy themselves and, you know, get coffee. And I think that's kind of cool. You should work on that here at Polar Park. I wore my Sherlock Holmes outfit sort of with my normal apron and whatever, volunteering at the mustard seed uh, just before Halloween. And I think that nobody there realized I was in a Halloween costume. They just all thought I was doing something typically weird and wearing a Sherlock Holmes hat. So maybe half the people were like, oh, great Sherlock Holmes costume. And the other half of the people were like, oh, that's a cool hat. (laughs) It's a good hat. You don't see a lot of those. That that suits you, man. I guess if you want to be a weirdo, that's not a bad one to go for. Yeah. How are things going on that that side of your your universe? You know, uh, know, a lot of people are struggling, but the the place itself is is going great. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that's about it for this week's show. Um, I forgot how to talk, Mike. So this is kind of a warm up for me. You know what? That's all for this week's 508. We welcome your questions and comments at pieandcoffee at gmail.com. Especially if you know who uh, Blue McLaren guy is. Yeah. Until next week, remember, Worcester, you can bench more than you think you can.